So the main thing that I want to uh, start with this morning is a re-mention, I think, of what Braden said, which was basically that we're going to cover a lot of scripture this morning. And so one of the areas that we're going to talk about in scripture goes is in our Tough Stuff series. So again, as we talked before, these are things that are maybe not the easiest thing that we um, want to hear, but these are things that we really need to hear. The other thing I'll mention uh, before I kick in, in, I think it was January of this year, I had to do one of our <clears throat> spiritual discipline series, and I drew the one uh, of the elders that were doing it that was about prayer and fasting. So at the time I said, oh, this is gonna be really well received because everybody wants to hear about fasting. And uh, so this, this next one we have, I volunteered to do this one several months ago. Um, this is gonna be another pretty challenging one for us, I think. And basically, this is about what does the Bible say about our personal health? What does the Bible say about our personal health? Interesting, it says quite a bit about it. We're gonna cover a lot of scripture today. And uh, hopefully we'll also probably make this uh, uh, PowerPoint available on our website as well because you're not going to be able to keep up with it. Okay, one of the really important things to get grounded on when we're talking about um, our faith is to come to a understanding about, you know, on this, on, uh, on a, um, how would I say this? How important is what we're talking about? So this is something that we've used at the Harbor before. I really like it. Um, it comes from Bobby Harrington in a book that's a couple of years old. And so that inner, if you look at this, uh, when you have this presentation with you, this, uh, this bullseye of these three concentric rings, this bullseye is our things that we talk about that are essential elements of our faith. These are the core truths of the scripture. It's saving faith with a commitment to be a disciple of Jesus. These are things that we should be willing to lay down our life for, for our faith. That is to defend, you know, that God... Uh, created all the universe and he created us and he sent his son Jesus to bridge the gap between our sinfulness and his holiness and Jesus uh, was crucified and died and he was resurrected and it's through um, his grace and our, and our faith, it's not through our works that we're, that we're saved. And those are the things that we should be prepared to like lay down our life for, those principles. Those are essential. The next layer out is called important ones. And these are our interpretation of what the Bible says about, about truth on non-salvation topics. I kind of use the word best practices. So these would be things like the Bible does talk about them and what are the best practices we should use to follow. Now, some things are church related. They're like baptism, like how do we do baptism? How often do we do communion? That kind of thing. Some of them are more along the lines of what we've been talking about here. It's really, hey, if I wanna be obedient to what's in the Bible, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, if we disagree on important elements, I think it's a pretty high chance we're still gonna see each other in heaven because we, we need to be in agreement on the essentials. So that's the thing that's kind of worth, if we're, ever gonna, if we're ever gonna argue or disagree on something, it should be about the foundational essential elements if there's some issue there. And the outer one are personal elements. I'll just say right up front, we are going to always disagree about those. That's like what kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, what kind of music should we have? Should we have drums or keyboards? Of course, Lori's gonna say we should always have drums, right? And basically, these are things like what color should the carpets be? You know, those are all personal preferences. They are not worth arguing over. So I wanna really clearly state that this issue of personal health is not an essential of our salvation. So if you disagree with me on the way I've interpreted some of this, that's okay. I think that that's, 
that's not, a, I'm not doing these, it's an essential. But I view, and we'll read through these scriptures, that this is kind of a best practice, this thing that we probably need to pay more attention to because it's in the Bible. Last comment, I'll make this really short. When we make things like personal preferences, when we treat them like they're essential, a lot of conflict happens. Need I say any more than COVID, okay? So, here's what our culture tells us about our health. <clears throat> if you look on social media, if you look online, if you watch TV, if you do anything, our culture says, hey, if you lose weight, if you get more fit, if you eat better, you'll be more, you call it out here, you'll be more attractive, you'll be more popular, you'll be healthier, you'll be more athletic, you'll be wealthy, maybe you'll be smarter. So this is what our culture bombards us with consistently <clears throat> about our health. That if we do a few things, we're gonna look like all the models and all the athletes that we see on TV. So here's some other statistics <clears throat> that go along with this as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, I pulled some of this up. So in the US and Canada, this is our health priorities. We spend $2 trillion, folks, that's two with 12 zeros after it, on food in North America. So we spend $2 trillion a year. By the way, that's the size of the whole Canadian economy. The grocery industry alone spends 190, the grocery and restaurant industry uh, spends $190 billion in just advertising to get your attention to sell stuff. So here's another one. Every year, $100 billion is spent on people that have gym memberships or fitness clubs or fitness centers. $100 billion of fitness clubs and $12 billion every year is spent on the world's most expensive clothes dryers, which tend to be treadmills and weight machines that sit in people's basements. <clears throat> in Canada, here's a thing maybe some of you know, total health, we're gonna spend over $300 billion this year on healthcare. That's $8,000 for every one of us. Every man, woman, and child in Canada, that averages out to $8,000. That's actually 13% of all the goods and services we produce in the whole country is dedicated to healthcare, looking after ourselves. And globally, it's $8 trillion. It's 10% of the global uh, output. It's very unequally distributed. It averages 1,000, but that's really doesn't, that's not the way it works. So we spend an unbelievable amount of money on food and on our health. <clears throat> and this next statistic comes from the Public Health Agency of Canada. And uh, I got this from their website. This is kind of frightening. So obesity and excess weight rates in Canadian adults. I need to pause here, by the way, and say, one thing, um, uh, as I go through some of the stats in here and as I go through some of this stuff, I want everyone to know that I'm actually, I'm using the word us because we all struggle with things related to our health. <clears throat> We're gonna go through them in more individual detail. So when I, if this is something that, if I may touch a nerve with something I've said here because it may be something that you're really deeply struggling with, that is not my intention at all. And in fact, I'm gonna share some of my struggles with some of these issues around our health and wellness. <clears throat> Excuse me, but the main thing, I want you to know is I probably will say something that will offend everybody at least one time. So give me some grace in that because these are really sensitive issues and they're gonna, you know, and some of these are gonna hit home. So obesity and excess weight rates in Canadian cities. This is what our Canadian government is telling us. In 1978, now some of you in here weren't even alive in 1978, 49% um, of adults <clears throat> over the age of 18 were overweight or obese. Oh, that's a lot, that's half. We fast forward. 26 years, it's 59% of Canadian adults. Now go forward another, this is from 2017, so it's four years old. 64% of adults over the age of 18 are overweight or obese. Guys, that's two out of every three of us. It's like, that's bad. 
That's, that has a lot of consequences. So there's, some of the consequences is, you know, it's one of the top preventable risk factors in things like type two diabetes, in heart disease. I'm gonna share my experience with that. Even with some cancers, and again, this is off the Public Health Agency of Canada. A healthy lifestyle includes physical activity and healthy eating is the best prevention and promotes healthy weights. So guys, we're not doing well as a society on this issue. So you may say, well, Richard, you look reasonably thin. Why are you up here talking about this stuff? I wanna share with you that um, I've had my struggle with uh, keeping fit. So this photo is the resolution here is not as good as it is on my screen but that's me in 2004 so from the time I was 33 roughly I started to gain a little bit of weight every year and I probably gained a couple pounds a year and no big deal and uh, so this is basically after 10 years of kind of that kind of weight gain uh, this is what I looked like in 2004 by the way that Handsome youngster on the, on the right-hand side there is your pastor today, and he had a lot more hair when he was, uh, whatever he was, 12 years old that year. So, uh, so basically, I had a, I had a um, uh, basically let myself get out of shape. I was 30 pounds overweight. And again, it may not show it there, but I'm gonna show you this picture. This is my least proud photo I could find. Of, this is from August of 20, or sorry, August of 2000. And, uh, for this was not a very, I was not in a very healthy state. So I went to my family doctor for a checkup that I used to go for every year and she sent me for some cholesterol tests and they came back and she called me back into her office and said, your cholesterol is through the roof. You are a, you're in the, believe it or not, you may think you're really fit, you're actually in a high risk category for a, for a heart attack because your cholesterol is super high. So I said, so I sort of casually said, well, she said, I'm gonna put you on medication. And I go, well, how long for? She goes, the rest of your life. And I'm like, okay, I don't think I wanna do that. So I negotiated with her. I said, give me a year to see if I can do a better job of looking after myself. So basically that is the case. And so after a year of, I had a partner helping me out who is my wife, we completely changed our diet and I had to start exercising. I went back in and my cholesterol was in a more acceptable zone where I, and where I haven't had to take medication for it. But I just wanna say that what I, what I did realize out of all of that is that if you let this go, it never gets better. It always gets worse and that's what happened to me. So it's something that takes attention to do that. So my, so I have a lot of empathy for people that struggle with this and I wanna just tie this back into, I mentioned earlier this year, I did a thing on um, a sermon on fasting, prayer and fasting. So I do fast about three times a week of various lengths and, what, and I've been doing that for a couple of years and interestingly what I realized is I actually have a pretty strong food addiction. Like I don't just do this and say, oh, it's no big deal. Like I crave food and I actually crave lots of crappy food at the same time. So it's not just eating. It's stuff that I want to eat. So again, I just want to share, I'm not kind of, um, I'm not coming at this from somebody that doesn't have issues or doesn't struggle with food addictions. So I'm going to, I'm going to reference for the next uh, bit of this message, I'm going to reference this really excellent book. Again, the resolution's a little bad on there. It's a book called The Daniel Plan, written by Rick Warren, who wrote A Purpose Driven Life, uh, What Earth Am I Here For, that we've gone through before with two uh, well-known physicians in the US. The name of the book comes from the book of Daniel, chapter one. I'm not gonna have time to go into it, but if you have time to read that, you'll see the book is really aptly named. So first point I wanna make is, I put this slide up before, what our culture tells us about our health. Here's what the Bible says. 
The Bible tells us our identity is not in how attractive we are or how popular we are, how healthy, athletic, wealthy, or smart we are. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. And if you remember, we've had several uh, messages in this Tough Stuff series about that. So that's the first point that we need to take in here. How we look does not matter to, uh, to, the, to Jesus and to God. It's who we are and our identity in Jesus is what counts. Having said that, as we go through these next scriptures, you'll see God does care about what we do with what he gave us. So, uh, there's a lot of scripture here, so I'm gonna read through it. You can just write it down, and we'll, put this, we'll post this out on our website if you wanna download it and look at it. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 to 20. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. What they're really saying is it doesn't matter what I eat, we're all gonna, we're all gonna die anyway kind of thing. The, Paul's saying here, the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with the prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So, by the way, I've got five points. I've got a five by five by five matrix for you here, which is probably supposed to be three by three by three, but I've got five points on three different areas. So the first one here is, here's what the Bible says body says my body belongs to God you know that's complete the opposite of what the culture says which says my body belongs to me and I can do anything I want to with it the Bible says my body belongs to God and the second thing it says Jesus paid for my body when he died for me on the cross you know we were bought at a price and we are to honor God with our bodies Some more from 1 Corinthians. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. This next thing refers to, in Corinth, uh, there were a lot of pagan temples and people would take meat and offer it to idols at these pagan temples and then that meat would often get resold in a meat market and Christians could buy it or whatever. So this this was an issue with that church. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put, put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice and don't eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. Why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. So the point here is just because we can eat something, and basically what Paul's saying, look, eat anything you want to. It doesn't matter whether it was sacrificed to idols or not. God, it's God created it all. Eat it and don't let your conscience bother you. 
So we can eat it, but that doesn't mean we should if somebody else is going to bother be what, by what we do. And you know, a few weeks ago, we talked about things like what does the Bible tell us about uh, alcohol and things like that. So this is, it's not forbidden, but maybe it's not the best thing that we could do at certain points in time. So just because we can eat something doesn't mean we should. Matthew 25. Um, this, is, this is a really famous scripture. I use it a lot and it just fit in today so I put it in here as well. Again, it'll be, this is Jesus talking now. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Point number four, God expects me to, care, to take care of my body. You know, God does not give us all the same body. Some of us get a body that has a lot of problems. I, I want to, again, just pause here and say, some of us have chronic illness that we did nothing to cause or nothing to deserve, really. Um, in those situations, obviously, some of the things that are in here aren't going to apply if we have chronic illnesses. In fact, we have a few people in here we've been praying for because of really chronic illnesses and praying for healing, but we, even with, a, even with a body that's messed up, we can still be faithful and be good stewards with what we have, and certainly if we have our health, it's not to be taken for granted, it's to be used for God's glory. Romans 12, this is Paul writing, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is back to 1 Corinthians 10 again. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether it's Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Point five, we glorify God with the way we look after our health. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Even if we have chronic health problems, we can still glorify God by the way we handle them. I have deep, deep admiration for people that have really challenging health situations and the way that they are faithful and the way they 
you know, basically serve the kingdom. And so there's a way, even when we have poor health, that we can still glorify God, and in fact can be very inspirational in how we do that. But if we can make our bodies healthy, then we should do it. Okay, this is my second group of five points. The first is to, let's just call this out, lasting change is hard. I shared with you my experience from 17 years ago. And, you know, over those intervening years, my weight's kind of gone up and down a little bit, and I've really put a renewed focus on it as I've uh, got into a new decade of life to, uh, to really do a good job of, the, of, the, of uh, health and fitness as much as I can control. So the first one about lasting change, lasting change requires us to face up the hard truth about ourselves, Folks, these are not easy conversations when we look in the mirror, so, but we need to face up if we have a weakness, if we have something that's a bad habit or something that's a poor motivation. Nothing is going to change until you start with the foundation of God's truth and his purpose in your life. So that's actually the good part about this. You're not gonna have to do this all on your own and we're gonna explore that more. Lasting change requires making wise choices a lifetime of them. You know, you don't get healthy for a season and then throw, and then just, you know, say, hey, I don't have to do anything now for the next five or six years because your health will deteriorate. Ephesians 4. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught him, taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And remember what, we, what I said early on, our identity is in Jesus Christ when we put on that new self. Philippians 2, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Point three, lasting change requires new ways of thinking. We read this already from Romans 12 too. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Lasting change requires a Holy Spirit in your life. And that's a good thing as believers and followers of Jesus that we have this, we have an advantage. Um, this is a famous passage that Paul wrote to, uh, writes in Galatians. And like a, he's, he's using an agricultural metaphor. So a plant is not really mature until it, until it can produce fruit. And what he's saying, if we're spiritually mature, we should see this fruit in our life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, another way to say patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and I emphasize this one, and self-control. Against such there is no law. So some of the challenges that we have with our health is that we don't have good self-control. Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So lasting change requires the Holy Spirit in our life. And the great news is as believers in Jesus, we already have that. Last point, lasting change requires authentic community. Braden made a brief reference to this when he was talking about the announcement. So our eldership has been talking a lot about what we need to do in 2022 um, around authentic community and about uh, people uh, advancing in their spiritual maturity. And as Braden said, we'll have 
ideally we'll have some announcements coming out on that pretty quickly. Galatians 6.2, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. This is a great scripture from the Old Testament. This is Solomon writing in Ecclesiastes. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two people can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So lasting change requires authentic community. Okay, the last five points, I'm gonna offer something. uh, There's no way, unless I had about a week's worth of messages prepared, we're gonna tackle any of these next topics in much detail. But I'm gonna refer back again to the Daniel plan. And again, I'm not meaning to be a promoter of it, uh, but it is a really good plan. I really like it the way it ties in these five essentials. And I would say there's five areas of your life that need to work together to make lasting change. And as a uh, Rick Warren, obviously, as a preacher, I guess, puts them all with the same letter in the front of them as alliteration. So it's faith, food, fitness, focus, and friends. So we'll just touch base on each of these kind of quickly. So the faith essential. Spiritual health gives you a foundation for building better habits and perspectives in any area. Health comes from recognizing and using God's power in your life and treating your body and mind with the care that he intended. So this is a foundation. I think this is a reason why many, many, many attempts at getting healthy don't have lasting effect because the ones that we typically have in our secular uh, society don't have this. There's a faith essential that everything starts from. Philippians 1.6. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when, Jesus, when Christ Jesus returns. So God has started a good work in us when we accept Jesus as our Savior, and he's going to continue that through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's a number one thing that we have as a basis for these. The food essential. This is, this is, I, I took this passage from the book. I thought this was really, it was really thought-provoking for me as I was reading it again. Food is medicine. Food is the most powerful drug on the planet. It can cure most chronic diseases and it works faster, better, and cheaper than any drug. And all the side effects are good ones. Real, whole food that comes from the earth, food that was created by God heals. By the way, that's the reference in the paragraph above. He's talking about real, whole food that comes from the earth. Well, industrial processed food created in factories by man harms. Sounds like a kind of a tough political statement, but the chapter on this has lots of evidence about it. There's a really interesting thing. If you look at the label of a food, if it has more than five ingredients on it, it means it was manufactured. It's probably not real food. It's a bunch of chemicals thrown together in a factory that is designed to taste good or trigger something like that, but it's probably not real food, and that's one of the principles. First Corinthians 10.31 so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So this has really been instrumental in me thinking about this as food is medicine and you know, it's, it's a good drug you know, that we can use. The, uh, I talked to Hazel Clark, who uh, is the executive director at the North End Food Bank, because this is an issue that we're seeing a lot more about, price of food going up. Food security is a measure of an individual's ability to access food that is nutritious and sufficient in quantity. It's a major problem in this food essential, this number two. So we need to have, make sure we have food security. A couple stats that uh, Hazel pointed me to, you know, in March of this year, there were 1.3 million visits to food banks. That's a 20% increase over 2013. 
uh, down at the bottom, one third of the clients that use a food bank are children, even though they only represent 19% of the population. And Canadians on fixed incomes, pensions, and disability benefits make up 27% of visits. So there's no question there's a lot of pressure on is can we get healthy food? And as Hazel and I kind of talked about this, this is, you know, we always hear, well, healthy food is too expensive. But in many cases, you know, this, we have this, we must have it now kind of mentality that discourages us from taking time to cook real food. So that's one of the things you actually have to do if, you're, if your food is going to be good medicine, you probably have to buy real food and cook it. You can't just stop at a store and then eat it on the way. You can prepare it ahead of time, which is beneficial. So part of this is our own attitude toward it. And, I, and it says, although it is undeniable that food costs are rising, we can still find healthy ways to eat. I need to make another declaration. I am the worst cook in the world. I hate to cook. I can't cook anything. Unless it comes in a can, it's probably not going to get cooked well by me. So this is a touchy subject for me when it talks about preparing real food. And I've talked to Nancy about this. I say, Nancy, I've got to change my attitude on this. And Nancy is an excellent cook, and that's also what makes it hard for me to get engaged because I'll never be as good a cook as she is. So, but I need to change habits if I'm going to make a difference in the food that, that I eat. I'm going to come back to that last statement in a second. If you've got a food security issue, then please talk to somebody at our church about it, elders. And again, we have a great, we have a lot of inroads with food banks, and I'm not saying that's the answer, but if there's some, if you need some help in that area, we're Happy to have a confidential discussion. Number three, the fitness essential. These are just getting better, aren't they? Like, oh, we're talking about food, now we're talking about being fit. The cool thing about this is, and again, like food, exercise works better than medicine. Uh, there's a quote here that moving your body even just a little bit on a regular basis impacts not only physical health, but also intellectual, emotional, social, financial, and spiritual health. I know all of us, if we've exercised, you know, notice how you, your brain just seems to function better. This is really important. Fitness is not about becoming an athlete, thankfully for all of us, basically. It's about being healthy. And the one thing that is just wrong about much of what we see is that we don't need to look like a professional athlete to be, to be fit. And so I want to really dispel that. In fact, as I read through that book, I realized, wow, this doesn't take much effort to do this, to get moving and to, and to do enough fitness to be healthy. Um, and, and yes, there are certain thresholds that we need to kind of hit to get to certain points, but don't think this is this gigantic mountain that you have to climb in order to be fitter. Focus essential. What this focus means, it's kind of talking about our mental health. Your mental health is vital for your overall health. Whoever gets the most of your brain's attention, what, sorry, whatever gets the most of your brain's attention will direct many other areas of your life. I could have this wrong. I literally saw this this morning while I was on my treadmill actually, doing my workout, something like a million Canadians are uh, suffering or trying to deal with some kind of unhealthy food addictions. And, I, and again, I didn't have a chance to kind of resource that more, but so there are a lot of challenge with mental, mental health as it relates to, to our food. And so basically there's a, I shared that issue as, again, I have, a, I have a food addiction that sometimes lends itself for me to do unhealthy eating things. This is a great passage from Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, this is Paul talking here. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. By the way, that could be a whole sermon topic right there when we come down to COVID again. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Last one is friends essential. The New Testament tells us to love one another, encourage one another, serve one another, support one another on our journey through life. This includes our journey towards better health. Research shows that people getting healthy together lose twice as much weight as those who do it, do it alone. Uh, again, just to, that quote from Ecclesiastes, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. So, I'm gonna bring this home with a challenge. And um, again, I, uh, this is not a challenge coming from a person that's got this all figured out. This is a challenge that I want us to really take away from today and pray about, and there's an action item. So the first point that hopefully I've emphasized is that, you know, and I, sorry, the first point, I guess this is a fundamental of it, is that, you know, God does have a mission in life. Just like that parable of the talents, he gave us abilities and he wants us to use it. Only you can fulfill the one that he gave, gave you because you're a unique creation. You find your identity in Jesus. And basically, it's only you can fulfill the mission that God created you to do. I don't even know what most of you have for a mission. There's the mission of, uh, is to make disciples. It's to glorify God is the reason God made us. And there's a mission is to go and make disciples and teach them to obey everything that's commanded. But how you do that is totally unique to you. So this is the scripture from the, from, uh, that Jesus said that kind of backs us up. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. There's an imperative that when we become a follower of Jesus that we have to do something to live out our mission. So here's my, here's my challenge. So at the end of our life on earth, will you be able to say this? If you had a week to live or a month or something like that, would you be able to say this? Would you be able to say to Jesus, I took what you gave me, Lord, and I gave it all to you and your kingdom. I didn't get lazy or worn out. I was a good steward with everything you entrusted me with, including my health. So my challenge out of that is I think that'd be a pretty amazing thing to say when we're in our, you know, in our uh, time where we're transitioning from living here on earth to living, uh, hopefully, with Jesus forever in heaven. I think that's a powerful thing to say. I didn't get lazy or worn out. I was a good steward with everything you entrusted me with. And we go back to Matthew 5. So here's my challenge. My challenge is that if anything that I put on the table this morning in this message about your, your personal health, if there's anything, if, if there's something in it that you want to change and you, you, wanna, you want to uh, get involved in something that leverages those five things that we talked about, the faith, the fitness, the food, focus, and friends, then um, I want you to do one of two or three things. The first one is reach out to one of the elders, myself, Braden, Mark Ketchu's not here, or Jim, and tell us, hey, I'd like to get involved in something like this because I have an issue. It'll be, we're not gonna go too deep on it. We just wanna know what's there. If you wanna do it a different way, you can, if you're in our private Facebook community, you can send a note to somebody and that'll get picked up and said, hey, I'd like to explore this further. What could we do? And I'm not making a promise that we're gonna do something, that we're gonna set something up and then invite people to it. I'm gonna be really blunt. I'll tell you why I'm not doing this. If, if people don't make, if you haven't been convicted 
to make a change in, in an area that you need to make a change in. It doesn't matter what program we have, it's not gonna work. And so that's why, you know, my personal uh, interest in this is very high because I know I need some of the things that, are, that, are, that I've talked about today. But you're, if you're interested in doing it, then sometime in the next couple of weeks, uh, let somebody at the harbor, and it can be confidential, it can be any other way you wanna, wanna do it. You can even see some of us next Sunday. And we're gonna get a gauge on how serious are people about doing this. And if nobody's serious about it, we're not gonna do anything in terms of a programmatic way. If people are serious, then we will do something.